The Landlord and Lawyer Podcast with Ben Beadle and Tessa Shepherdson. Okay, hello everybody. Um, welcome. Um, I am with Ben Beadle of the National Residential Landlords Association and he is the landlord. And I'm with Tessa Shepherdson, the director of Landlord Law, uh, and she's the lawyer. And uh, together we are, we are the Landlord and Lawyer podcast. And uh, this, this month we are our own guests today. Um, we thought we would um, just discuss things among ourselves because there's plenty to talk about, isn't there, Ben? Crikey, uh, plenty to talk about, uh, whether you're a lawyer, a landlord, or uh, just an interested party, quite frankly. Uh, the, the, the pace of change that we're seeing in the sector is uh, something we haven't seen uh, for a little while. I mean, when I think back to, I went down to London in February, and I remember going into a pub and talking to people there, and it's, it's like a different world. It's like a different planet. That, that day in February when I went to the pub with those people and we all sat around a table close together, breathing in each other's... <laughs> oh, the good old days without yeah. a mask. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like there's a steel shutters come down in between those times and we're in another world. We really are and uh, just hope that we can revert to uh, a near normal uh, version of that world in the not too distant future but it's not looking like it's going to be this year. No or possibly even next year even if we get <laughs> oh, don't be negative. <laughs> <laughs> well we you know plan for things plan uh, for the worst hopefully it'll never happen that's, that's always been my policy. So if landlords are planning for the worst, what should they do, Ben? Oh, crikey. Uh, where to start? I think, uh, you know, if landlords are, are, are planning for the worst, then, yeah, I, I think landlords will have one eye, obviously, on the, um, uh, the news that we saw this week around courts reopening. Mm. Uh, they will have uh, another eye on extended notice periods. Um, and they will have another eye on, uh, appreciate we've had some measures announced uh, today in terms of the financials uh, going into winter and, and the new year. But it's really going to be a, a tricky time, um, whether you've got a tenant or whether you're looking for a new one. Um, so, you know, I think doing your due diligence and being as, as picky as you, you can be when it comes to uh, choosing your tenants is probably uh, the best advice at this juncture. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're choosing a new tenant, you need to be aware that if you choose a tenant who turns out to be unsatisfactory, you're not going to be able to get them out inside of a year. Correct. And bearing in mind that you've got to get a, give a six months notice period if it's Section 21 at the end of the fixed term, you could even be looking at two years. So you need to be so careful. So you need to double check every everything assume everything is a lie unless you've verified it elsewhere um you know check them out on um well on social media i suppose as long as you don't hack into their accounts get credit references you know but the you know the, the difficulty with that is and that's all fine and dandy isn't it but we we literally have very little idea as to how things are going to pan out um, in terms of you know, the, the wider economy, the wider jobs market, and uh, you know all of these things associated with COVID. So it's perfectly conceivable that you could do your due diligence and bang, uh, uh, all, all of a sudden, 
um, uh, you know, the, the situation changes again with regards to your tenant circumstances. They've lost uh, their job. I mean, thousands of people are going to be losing their jobs. Um, oh, you're in a negative mood this morning, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or a realistic mood. I don't know. Realistic which is which. mood. I mean, I mean, it's it's awful. But a lot of people are going to lose their jobs, and that's going to impact on landlords. Um, I mean, I I have wondered whether, if you're choosing a tenant, um, somebody who is who has been on benefit for some time and has a track record of paying their rent while on benefit might actually be a better bet because you know that they're going to pay i mean i know landlords won't welcome that and i understand you can't get rent guarantee insurance for, for tenants on benefit but i mean i don't know maybe that ought to be challenged very possibly i, I think it's going to present a really interesting dynamic because you know people or landlords that aren't necessarily used to uh, dealing with housing benefit, local housing allowance, universal credit are suddenly probably going to be presented with this for the first time. And and I would include tenants in that as well. You know, you may well be encountering a tenant that has been 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 uh, had a, a successful career, but has 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 had um, the wind knocked out yeah. of them by by COVID and job losses. Who who also don't necessarily know how to navigate local housing allowance. Uh, it, it's it's really really tricky times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the fact that you've been in employment since you were twenty one, it doesn't mean that you. Yeah, it, it 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 is it is a very difficult time. So I would urge landlords to be to be really careful and I think some landlords are taking the view that perhaps they'll leave the property empty for a bit until they yes. find someone they feel really happy with yeah I've, I, I mean I've, I've heard that as well and I you know I, I obviously understand the logic there um, particularly if the margins are slim yeah. uh, but without making too much of a, a political point so early on you know this is what happens when you chip away uh, at, at landlords, you know, reduce their, their uh, increase their tax, uh, reduce their ability to offset costs, uh, thinking section 24, wear and tear allowance, all of those types of things. And then, you know, you, you block them from getting access to their asset. They're now able to do that. But whether or not they're able to do that in a, uh, a fair and reasonable time frame remains to be seen. Um, and so I can well see some landlords saying, do you know what, you know, I don't make enough money out of this uh, for yeah. the for the hassle or risk factor. I'm going to sit tight for a few months. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that that's not what the government um, either intend or, or intended or, or, or wanted. Uh, but that is a perfectly legitimate conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think possibly if you are choosing a tenant, perhaps the character of the tenant, you know, because some people will really make an effort to pay their rent. Yes. You know, it'll be really important for them. They won't, they won't want to be in arrears and they'll do what it takes. Other people, maybe less so. Well, if you get one of these won't, won't pay uh, tenants, yeah. you're stuffed, aren't you? Uh, you are frankly. totally stuffed, yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, that, that is the difficulty. In, in, in the same way that there are bad landlords in this sector, there are bad tenants um, uh, and, you know, who won't listen to government advice around pay your rent if you can. Actually, they would just see a window of, of uh, being opportunistic uh, and, and ride with it. And, you know, that's, that's not cricket. I mean, there is a, there is a view among many tenants that um, it's morally wrong for people to own property and make money out of other people living in them. And at this time of crisis, you know, landlords ought to, ought to um, 
allow people to live there rent free because they're lucky to have a property at all. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, the many tenants campaigning about not being expected to pay rent in circumstances where they've lost their job. Um, but but you know that is a that, that's a political problem isn't it because mm. you know we, what we can't have is the problem of a tenant's inability to meet their obligations uh somehow uh you know be automatically passed to the landlord's shoulders uh so you know that's why you know we see that tenant support loans are uh critical mm. because you know it's not it's not the landlord's job to house people for free I mean, it's yeah. just not. Now, of course, we can encourage reasonable behaviour because, uh, you know, you and I both know, Tessa, that landlords and tenants generally, and, and for the most part, have a positive relationship. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's what we've seen the past few months. And the NRLA has been really keen to, you know, to, to highlight that. And actually, Minister Pincher spoke about that in the in the Commons yesterday, directly referencing uh, the good work that landlords have, have done. But our point is that, you know, that, I think a lot of goodwill has been lost by the U-turn in the in the courts reopening, if I'm honest mm. with you. Um, uh, and fundamentally, landlords, uh, as I keep pointing out in the media, are not property tycoons. They're individuals like you and me um, uh, that, uh, you know, have, have chosen to invest uh, in, in, in a property, not because we're filthy rich, but because we're, uh, you know, trying to put some money aside for a, a pension, etc. And... Um, you know, it is a political solution in terms of uh, allowing people to go about their day-to-day -day business and meet their obligations. Everybody benefits from a tenant's ability to pay rent, not just landlords. Um, uh, you know, the, the banks will obviously benefit, but also in terms of that wider disposable income, uh, the wider the wider economy will, will will benefit as well. So it's a it's a tenant problem. It's a political solution. Yeah, it, it isn't actually a, a, a landlord problem, but it's being made to be yeah so i mean i suppose one of the advantages of small local landlords is when tenants pay their rent that money will be will probably go to benefit the local area whereas yep. if you have in large big commercial landlords that may not be the case that's right and i as you know used to work uh, um, uh, in that corporate sector um, and it was interesting to see, having worked uh, also in, in, in lettings where you have individual landlords, there was very much a different mindset of knowing who your landlord was uh, when it was a big corporate. Um, uh, and yeah, it would be interesting to see if there's any um, difference in terms of how hard the losses have been between a corporate and, uh, and an individual I think you know, when you've got a decent relationship with between your tenant and your landlord, there's a human element to it, isn't there? Mm. Actually, for the most part, uh, I, you know, I don't want to make another person uh, suffer because I'm not meeting my obligations. But when you get into uh, you know, sort of companies uh, owning property, whether it's built to rent or whether it's just a corporate uh, entity, there's perhaps less goodwill there. Yeah, so sort of big blocks with rabbit hutch studio flats, that we hear about indeed yes so um if you have a tenant and your tenant doesn't pay i suppose it's quite critical how you deal with it isn't it you want to try and maintain a good relationship um what do you think about mediation because we've got two mediation services that have been developed for um for landlords there's the um 
the TDS one and there's the um, property redress scheme one. What's, what's your view of those, Ben? I, I think that um, I haven't used either of them, uh, but both of them um, uh, are uh, obviously well-known entities. But I think the concept of mediation, conciliation, uh, etc., um, is something that uh, is going to be with us for a little while, but it will only be useful. And I've made this point to um, uh, to others in the sector. It will only be useful if there's a willingness to participate. And in my experience, um, if you do get a uh, arrears or a, a, a somebody not playing ball, often that person goes to ground. What my hope is through mediation is that it might encourage them to come out of their uh, uh, little Warren uh, and to you know have some meaningful discussions and obviously some of the documentation we've we've presented is around the ability to be able to signpost people uh, tenants to get financial support should they be eligible so that we're exploring as many possible avenues before we resort to the nuclear option but you know it's incumbent on both parties to you know, have a conversation with each other, a serious uh, conversation, because a landlord will only be able to sustain that tenancy if they're getting information back and the mood music is one that, okay, well, I maybe can't pay the full amount, but I can, you know, I can make a contribution uh, and, you know, come up with a plan to, to, to pay, pay money off. Uh, and I think if you're entering into that type of dialogue, then mediation might be able to uh, oil the wheels a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I mean, with the two mediation schemes, I think probably the property redress scheme one is perhaps more if there's a genuine dispute, um, perhaps something to do with the repair of the property or issues to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that um, mediation uh, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be around rent arrears. Um, you know, it could be. It could be on the other side of the coin where the tenant wants the landlord uh, to, to do something, uh, for example, uh, and they're not able to reach agreement on, on whatever that is. So, um, you know, this is about pr finding practical solutions, because as we said at the outset, um, you know, the, the courts are not going to be operating to anywhere near full capacity, rightly or wrongly. Uh, yeah. you know, that's just not going to, ha going to happen. We've managed to get the courts open, but if there is a, a, an alternative way of being able to reach a, an agreement that keeps people in their homes, then that's realistically got to be good for both the renter and the, and the landlord. At the end of the day, as a landlord, you know, I don't, I don't want to boot people out uh, on, on, on the street, but I need to have some information back around when the obligations are going to be met because they do need to be met. And I suppose this is where having a good relationship with your tenant is really important because there are many reasons why people don't pay their rent. I mean, it may be because they've got mental health issues and they, they're incapable of dealing with it for the moment. It may be because they've lost their job and, and you know, it may be because they're being bloody minded. You know, it, it may be because they're withholding it because they're unhappy about the fact that the landlord hasn't done repair work. I mean, those are those are some reasons. There's probably yeah. other reasons why the tenant doesn't pay. And if there's no communication, most landlords will just assume that the tenants are being bloody minded. But they may not be. They, there may be a genuine reason why they're not paying the rent, but because they've got a bad relationship between them, the tenant doesn't feel able to talk to them about it. That's right. And that's where the conciliator or the mediator might be able to make some inroads it might mm. be helpful for that independent person to 
you know, bridge bridge the gap on those differences. But it, you know, frankly, it, it won't work for every case. No. Uh, but if it works for some, um, you know, it will it will be helpful. And I think that the one thing that we've got to do is we sort of, I'd, I say coming out of COVID, it sounds as though we're going back into it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, we can't think that the way that we operated prior to COVID, that we have to somehow go back and do that. I totally appreciate that landlords um, you know, must, absolutely must be able to exercise their right to repossess their property. Um, uh, you know, I've made that point in the media and with, with, with ministers. But if there is a way of being able to keep people in their homes, uh, whether that's through extra funding, whether it's through a mediated settlement, uh, whatever it happens to be, then, then, then that to me um, uh, would seem to be a decent solution. Because as I say, I don't think landlords just give a notice willy nilly. Uh, landlords invariably will give a notice if they, you know, if their A is a fault um, or B, if they, you know, if they can't get the communication channels coming back and there's arrears, then you know, what do you think the landlord's going to do? So, you know, it's incumbent on both parties to, uh, to tango. Mediation can be useful, partly because if the parties have got to the stage where they, they're so antagonistic they can't talk to each other, it's the way of sort of breaking the deadlock. But also there are more options in mediation. I mean, the, the court proceedings for possession is a very blunt instrument. Um, whereas with mediation, it may be that they can explore other options, and yeah, other I solutions. I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the, the mediated settlement allows for more creativity. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, if you end up uh, uh, in, in court, um, well, you're looking at a money judgment or possession. That's typically what you're, yeah. uh, what you, what, what you're looking for. So, uh, you know, it, you're right. I think mediation might result in a more rounded uh, settlement. Uh, and, you know, it's back to this point. Uh, again, a bit of a political point, I'm afraid, but, you know, are the courts the best place for housing disputes to be resolved? Um, probably not, in our view. Um, yeah. uh, uh, and I think this, um, you know, this sorry little episode um, probably reinforces it even more. Yeah, I mean, say, for example, with the thing about, about a money judgment, say a tenant doesn't pay the rent and the landlord doesn't really know the reason and they go and get a money judgment. I mean, that money judgment is bad for the tenant because it affects their credit rating. It's also not particularly good for the landlord because if the tenant hasn't got a lot of money, you can't get blood out of a stone. And even if they have got money, the enforcement procedures in the courts are absolutely appalling. I mean, I mm -hmm. think if someone were to sit down and work out a process where someone could enforce a county court judgment where the judgment debtor doesn't pay. They couldn't come up with anything better than what we've got at the moment. It is so difficult and, and awkward. And, uh, you know, from a, from a landlord's perspective, Tessa, that, um, you know, it's, it's a lost judgment, isn't it? You know, anybody that has, has re really ever tried to pursue somebody for 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 payment um you know i i don't hear many stories about victories it'd be good to, to to understand whether there are any but the point is actually the landlord just wants that property back to 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 try and find somebody who will pay uh, as we said at the outset you know that that's going to be more difficult in the short term um, i mean when i when i practiced as um I mean, I am still a solicitor, but when I practiced as a solicitor through my solicitor's firm and did eviction work, I, I did that for must have been at least 20 years. During that period, the vast majority of the cases, the, the landlord said, look, I'll forget about chasing the renters. Yes. I just want my property back. 
I think I can probably, I don't think it's the fingers of one hand. It's possibly the fingers of two hands of the ones where we actually got the money back. But it, it could be the fingers. It wasn't very, wasn't very often. And I think the few cases where it happened um, were um, attachment of earnings cases. Um, I think there was a teacher um, where we got an attachment of earnings order. And I think they did get the money back in the end. Um, and, and normally when the landlords got the money back, it was on the basis that they would be able to stay, the tenant would be able to stay in the property. Um, there were very few cases where the, the landlord got paid in full. Mm, indeed. Uh, and, and, that, and that is the overriding point uh, in the, you know, the, the position w that we find ourselves in. There will be landlords that, um, that now need that money well, yes. um, to meet their own obligations. Um, uh, and moreover, uh, you know, to turn that asset around and get it out to to a proper tenant who's going to look after it and pay. Uh, and those are the, the very short-term challenges that we find ourselves in at the moment. Um, and it's a great pity, I think, that landlords and tenants are being pitted against uh, yeah. one another because actually, you know, it's neither party's fault that we've got this uh, wretched illness, uh, the wretched disease rather, um, uh, or virus, I should say, get it right. Um, uh, um, uh, but you know, it's a it's a power struggle as to where the liability sits. Uh, I, I believe I know where it where it where it sits, but you know, uh, it's inconceivable to think to me that there won't be any more targeted support to allow people to stay in their homes. Well, yes, I mean. The the tsunami of evictions, um, I think, is unlikely to happen in the near future because the courts are going to take a very long time to deal with the Absolutely. massive backlog. So I would imagine that the people who are actually evicted before Christmas are probably going to be the antisocial behaviours. It will be all, a lot of pre-COVID stuff. Yeah. Um, so it'll be mostly those. Um, so people who've fallen into arrears because of COVID, if they are evicted, it's not going to be ne until next year. That's right. And, you know, this, this whole uh, nonsense about a tsunami of evictions is, you know, totally unhelpful. Yeah. Uh, um, and, you know, some of our uh, uh, most high profile leaders are spouting out this nonsense. You know, there was never going to be a, a tsunami of evictions, um, certainly not in the early stages, that there might be a lot of evictions in, in the future if the government doesn't get the financial settlement right to help people out. Um, but there was never going to be a, a spike in evictions once the court do as soon as the court do so doors opened. You know, that's just uh, political scaremongering. Yeah, I mean, I suppose from the landlord's point of view, it is, I mean, I know a lot of people have, have suffered, you know, um, hospitality businesses have had to close down, haven't been able to um, open their business, but actually expecting a landlord to house someone for free for a long period of time when they have to pay their own expenses is a bit of an ask for someone who is a private individual um, who, you know, could be a pensioner. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, you, you, you're preaching to the choir here, Tessa. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, from, from my vantage point, this is about the perception of landlords as being, you know, wealthy people. Hopefully you've mm. seen our constant reference to landlords not being property tycoons 
being, uh, having typically one or two properties uh, and, and actually living off of that income, uh, living off of that income, whether it's, um, you know, uh, as, a, as a full-time thing or whether it's uh, funding their healthcare or retirement. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it's massively disturbing to see how that is playing out, really, because there are no measures for landlords. Yeah. There are no, there is not a single, I mean, you know, I don't consider a mortgage deferment scheme to be a measure. Um, you know, you, you stick the debt to the end of the loan uh, and you cough up then. And, you know, in some instances, it will affect your credit rating, uh, as, I, as I understand it, um, or your ability to get other finance. So, you know, that's, that's not a measure. The, the, uh, but the, where the measures are is to keep uh, people in their... I say keep people in their jobs, the furlough scheme, the changes to local housing allowance to the 30th percentile, uh, tweaks to universal credit. Um, they're all things that tenants in the most part can access that are not available to landlords. So it's even more unfair um, uh, that landlords are in that bracket and expected to pick up the pieces. Now, people will argue, well, you know, isn't this just a, uh, a business risk? Isn't, you know, shouldn't you have put some money aside for a rainy day? Well, maybe we should have put money aside for a rainy day, but I don't think uh, anybody could have foreseen the deluge of rain that, that was about to uh, come our way. Also, if you then remove the landlord's only tool to be able to recover their asset they have no way and I, i'm talking about the courts closing yeah. um you know they have no way to be able to sell that property to liquidize the asset or to uh, or to relet it so that's why it's 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 manifestly unfair and that's why as an organization we've been pushing for extra tenant funding because i think tenants do need support to pay their rent landlords will be a direct beneficiary of that yeah yeah i mean on the, on the point that many tenants are asking for a, a, a law to be passed that um, they shouldn't have to pay their rent. Um, well, that's they, rubbish. Well, there is a legal argument against that because um, landlords um, do have a human right. Um, right, absolutely. To, um, you know, to... to um, well, for I, their I know... property, and if that law was passed, then the government would have to reimburse landlords. Indeed, and there are absolutely. Probably better ways for them to use money than to um, reimburse landlords, some of whom may not need it. Indeed, absolutely, and I think you know this is a, a, a rump of uh, renters unions that are coming out and, and suggesting this idea. Uh, this idea has no political support. Um, uh, the Labour Party are not interested in it. I spoke to Thangam Debonair. Uh, she's absolutely not interested in it. You know, people, if you, if you have signed up at, uh, and committed to uh, your oblig uh, to make certain payments, then, you know, you should, to the best of your ability, try and make them. The, the problem is that, you know, as part of this uh, union culture, is that there is solidarity. So there's solidarity. So even though I haven't lost my job, haven't been affected by COVID-19 or anything like that, um, because you're out of work uh, and can't afford your rent, I'm coming out in solidarity with you and not paying my rent. You know, that's just absolutely yeah. uh, nonsense. And that's, you know, that isn't the right thing to do at a time of crisis. No, no. Yeah, so difficult times all round. So, um, 
the NRLA has, um, you've published a, some golden rules. Do you want to tell us about your golden rules, Ben? <laughs> I wonder what you said then, uh, Tessa. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the golden rules, yeah, absolutely. So um, as people probably know, we are involved in the judicial working group that's been looking at um, uh, new practice directions for the courts reopening. Um, uh, which we've now been successful at doing. Um, uh, there was talk, if you recall, uh, 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 many months ago about a pre-action protocol. Yeah, um, that didn't uh, go anywhere, did it? it? It didn't. But, you know, this is the, the last dregs of a protocol, these golden rules, effectively. Um, uh, and essentially, I, I don't think there's anything groundbreaking in this document. I think a lot of good landlords will be communicating with their tenants. They'll be establishing whether their tenant is vulnerable uh, and, and signposting them to appropriate help. Um, if they are engaging, I'm sure, because our survey says that where tenants have asked for help, three quarters of them have got it. Uh, so, you know, trying to make payment plans or repayment plans uh, based on that information. Um, uh, yeah, that's one of the recommendations that the fifth point is around um, uh, clarity uh, on what's owed yeah. and what's not owed and, and how that is to be paid. Um, uh, there's a sixth point around um, uh, claiming benefits, which is um, direct payment and trying to make sure that tenants do everything they can uh, to make the most of the um, financial measures that are out there for them. Uh, looking at guarantors, uh, if that's possible. If, if all of that doesn't work, then we move on to mediation potentially uh, and keeping our documentation uh, together. And if we can't resolve anything, uh, then that's when landlords uh, would uh, look at the uh, giving notice or applying to a court. So, you know, there's, there's nothing in there that is massively uh, onerous, I don't think, but it's just formulating uh, the thought process to try and go, and this is as much for, for tenants as it is for landlords, actually, uh, but to try and see whether or not some of these points might help people in their discussions. No more than that. I mean, when we say that there isn't a pre-action protocol, I mean, actually, there is, because there is an overarching practice direction, which says, basically, that if there is no specific protocol for this type of claim, then you are expected to, and, uh, you know, you're expected to talk to the other side, you're expected to mediate if appropriate, you're supposed to follow all avenues to resolve the dispute before going to court. But I think realistically, landlords would, you know, decent landlords, uh, would probably try and uh, follow that in any event. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, uh, the thought of applying to a court, uh, um, if I could try and resolve it, is not a... It's not a happy thought uh, as far as I'm concerned. And I suspect a lot of landlords share that, that concern. Yes. Yeah. So I think most of the landlords who came to me were <laughs> reluctant clients. Mm. Um, and that's the thing, uh, Tessa, you know, the point that I've been really keen to stress in the media and you saw uh, the channel four interview I did with generation rent, um, you know, landlords don't just think I'm going to give notice to my tenants. And this is why the whole Section 21 debate is a bit of a nonsense for me. Uh, Section 21 is, is, is going, uh, you know, there's no political appetite for it to stay. Um, we think it should go uh, when the position is more stable, the minister agrees. Um, but in the new world, 
uh, landlords will be able to get possession of their property for moving back in, for selling it, for rent arrears, for antisocial behaviour, for all of the things that most part landlords use Section 21 for. So, uh, and the minister has committed in writing and to me verbally that good landlords will have their strength, uh, their their possession rights strengthened through the renters' reform bill. Um, so, you know, we must we must disassociate ourselves with the view that landlords just you know are, are issuing notices like confetti. Frankly, if someone's looking after the place and paying their rent, I have no interest in giving a notice whatsoever. Well, quite, because it's an expensive and time-consuming business to find a replacement tenant. Totally. Totally. I suppose the advantage of the Sexton, Section 21 process is that it's fairly straightforward and I mean nothing that you do at court is quick but it is relatively quick and painless and there isn't a hearing and the solicitor's fees for doing it are normally a little bit less. Yes. Um, there, there are some advantages in the, in the procedure. I mean one of them is that um, if you if you want to evict a tenant basically because they are involved in antisocial behavior and all the rest of it and if you use that as a reason for your claim um your tenant isn't going to be very pleased about it to read a great long street about you know how all these offensive things that they did they might want to go around and you know give you a punch whereas if it's if you just going for section 21 it's it's not antagonistic so so, uh, so I, but... I think there is that that is one possible good point the other good point about it and i suspect that this is something that will that will be brought into the um the section eight grounds um is that there are a lot of prerequisites now so um landlords to be entitled to use section 21 they've got to have protected the deposit they've got to have served a gas safety certificate they've, they've got to have done all of these other things um, and it is it is a sort of roundabout way of enforcing these um, good landlord measures. Yeah, I, I, th I think that's right, actually. Um, you know, lots of uh, uh, things have been bolted on to Section 21 where you can only do it if you do X, Y or Z. Uh, so, you know, I see that as a way of... Um, I understand why it's done that way. It's to improve behaviour and make people comply uh, with, with, with rules that they may not ordinarily have complied with. The bit around um, the anonymous nature of Section 21 is that, you know, I don't think tenant groups can have their cake and eat it. So, you know, if they're, if they're going to get offended by um, uh, 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 reasons uh, for eviction, then... Um, I think they're going to have to get used to it because that's the that's the direction of of, yeah. of travel. Of course, it does mean Tessa that landlords are going to need to be quite on the ball in terms of their paperwork. Yeah. Um, you know, documenting uh, antisocial behaviour, uh, police reports, that 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 sort of stuff. Um, that element will be more 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 onerous. Um, but you know, the the only reason that Section Twenty One. Uh, is 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 being uh, phased out and it, uh, it's, in fact it's not being phased out in Wales actually it's being replaced by section 173 notice uh, which is still subject to six months notice so in Wales you will be able to have a no fault uh, eviction as has been coined um, uh, but you know uh, I, I do hope that these six months notice periods are uh, very much an emergency measure um, uh, and, and that's certainly the point that we have, have made to uh, ministers. I suppose overall it is, it is better, um, perhaps from the point of view of government and governing the country and having a picture of the sector, to know why landlords are evicting. 
because at the moment people don't know I mean, you, you know, if you have so many evictions on rent arrears ground and so many evictions on Section 21, you don't know why they're evicting on that Section 21. I mean, probably a large percentage of them will be for rent arrears. Some of them will be because the landlord wants to move back. Some of them will be because, I don't know, maybe because the tenant's gone on to benefit and they don't like it. I don't know. I mean, but you, you don't know. Whereas no. if, if you have to say what your reason is, then for the government getting a picture of the sector and how it operates and what the big problems are that would i suppose be better from an information point of view it, 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 it i mean it would be um but i suspect what they're going to find is that very few landlords uh, give a section 21 notice without a proper reason behind it um well Yes, they do. But at the moment, we don't know what it is. No, we don't. We don't. Um, we, we absolutely don't. Uh, and I think, you know, we do need greater intel around the uh, around the sector. But I think, you know, anybody that thinks that Section 21 going is going to stop evictions uh, is is sorely mistaken, because certainly in the conversations I've had with uh, Minister Pincher and others, they routinely accept that landlords need to have uh, access to uh, repossess their property for antisocial behaviour, moving back in, rent arrears, oh yeah, all of the things that um, that, we're, that we're, we're, we're talking about. Yes, it would be subject to a slightly different process, but it must be it must be a straightforward process for both parties to understand, and it mustn't be an expensive process either. All of the evictions, when I did eviction work, they usually had a reason. I mean, another reason why someone might want the property back. I had a lady who came to me who. Um, who, who desperately needed money for an operation, mm. you know, um, and it, it did take some time. It was problematic. Um, but that's, you know, that's the landlord's right, isn't it? You know, it is the landlord's right to take back their, their property. Um, uh, and I think you know, what the government are, are, uh, are going down the route of is that there must be a, a, a reason uh, for them wishing to do it. Uh, th that is a difference uh, to how it operates at the moment, which is obviously no reason needs to be given. But I have a lot of landlords contact me saying, well, would the renters reform bill mean that I can't sell, can't move back in? Of course it won't. Of course it won't. Mm. It's your right to have your property back. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm old enough to remember the, um, the old Rent Act. Oh, bloody um, hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you look uh, so young, Tessa. I know, Yes. But uh, I mean, I, I had a young man I was, I was come to me for advice and um, he had rented out his property um, to someone. He got this property. I can't remember why. Maybe he'd inherited it. I don't know. And he wasn't he was living at home. So he rented it out to this bloke who had a family and he came to me saying he wanted to get it back. And because it was a rent act property, there was absolutely no way he could yes. recover that property back because yeah. the bloke he rented it to had a family and he's lost that property. You know, as long as that chap wanted to live there, um, which could be for 50, 60 years, mm -hmm. he, he wouldn't get it back. I mean, that's what, what we had. And, and at that time, very few people wanted to be landlords yeah. because there was that problem. And the reason that Section 21 was introduced in the first place in the Thatcher government was because the Thatcher government felt that it was important um, for there to be a private rented sector. Um, yep. And it was impossible to encourage people to rent out under that system. So, no, and, and we're taking the step back, aren't we? I mean, yeah. but, but it's a 
believe it or not, a conservative government. I mean, who would have who would have thought it? And if you look at some of the other policies that are you know, are coming out of the the, the government, you, you sometimes uh, you know wonder whether it is a, a truly conservative <laughs> government. Uh, but anyway, I shan't make too many political points. Yes. So um, I think one other thing I'd like to say to people, um, if, the, if you've got to evict your tenant, um, I think you need, need to be really careful um, who you use. First of all, I don't think you should do it yourself because um, I understand that judges are looking for mistakes so they can chuck cases out to reduce the court's workload. Um, so you, you, you have to be really, really careful how you do it. So I would recommend that you, you have a solicitor look after it for you, but you need to be very careful of the solicitor that you use. And you also need to be careful about unregulated eviction companies um, who, um, who may not do a particularly good job. And when they don't, you may find that they're not covered by insurance, which is something that all solicitors have. Of course, I would say that, wouldn't I, being a solicitor, but I don't do eviction work anymore, so I haven't got a vested interest in it. What would you say about that, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would absolutely agree. Uh, I think, you know, if you what you don't want to do is to is to have things batted out on a technicality uh, so it's really really important to take some uh, uh, advice and make sure that you do things uh, properly mm. so uh, if you do have to do that be careful and, and use somebody somebody who's good a yeah. good sign of of a solicitor would be a solicitor that offers fixed fees yep agreed God, we sound very negative in this uh, uh, yeah, podcast was, today, don't we? It's a bit of a negative time, really. It is a hugely negative time as we uh, the weather's turned. It's it's yeah. getting darker earlier. We've got to be home by ten o'clock from the pub. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I don't go to the pub, you know, unless I can sit on a bench outside. But <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the last time I went to a pub. It could have been that day in February oh, wow. when I went down to London. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we tend not to go out very much. But well, um, people can't see the bottle of wine that you've got on your desk. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, uh, on the, the podcast. Rack of whiskey in the corner, <laughs> <laughs> all empty. <laughs> yeah, a huge bin outside filled up with empties. <laughs> well, we'll try and be more positive on the next one, shall we? Yes, we will. But uh, I hope this has been interesting for people. And um, he's Ben Beagle, the landlord, and she's Tessa Shepherdson. Oh, I said that wrong, but there we go. I've got my, I've got my, t- I haven't got my teeth in today. She's, <laughs> she's the lawyer. There you go. That's right. And uh, we are the Landlord and Lawyer podcast, and we'll see you again next month. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>